get started because there's a little bit of a lag so if I start at 10 it'll start you guys about 10 or 1. Alright, well good morning. We're grateful that you have chosen to join us. Um, only one real big announcement. Um, we will resume AM services on June 7th. There's going to be a lot of change to what that looks like and we will be contacting you and just talking about stuff with you um, and also probably provide you some sort of video that kind of explains what everything will look like when you get to church um, and just how we want you to interact with people, where we want you to interact with people, how we want you to sit down, um, and things like that. So be looking for that. That'll be on the Facebook page. And um, also, um, if you are uh, have pre-existing conditions or uh, don't feel comfortable with rejoining us on June 7th. Don't feel pressure as um, right at the beginning of all this we bought the Mevo camera and the Mevo camera will allow us to continue to broadcast the AM and the PM services on Sundays when we resume PM services. So all the services are going to continue to be live streamed um, via, via the church uh, camera. Um, so You'll, you'll miss out probably on the singing because singing brings in all sorts of other complications and difficulties with recording, um, but you will be able to continue to hear the services. Um, it'll be um, not quite as easy for me to tell you exactly what time it'll start though because of announcements, prayer, scripture reading, things like that that'll happen at church that we won't be able to record everything for you and put it on Facebook Live. But you'll be able to still uh, join us for parts of the services. So um, June 7th, uh, but if you don't feel comfortable, we don't want you to feel pressured. I'll be contacting you in the coming days, just kind of giving you updates personally, as well as um, putting out stuff on our social media platform. That's the only real big announcement. Um, as the state continues to open up, we want to continue to also reopen other services and we will uh, continue to watch the the progress of the reopening of the state and as we see that happen then we will continue also by reopening more of our services and providing you guidelines as to what that should look like so I think that's all that I have by way of announcements so let's go to Lord in order prayer and then we will get started Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its faithfulness. We thank you for its truthfulness. We pray that as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 today, that we would be encouraged by the fact that you uh, provide success and that you preserve your servants that follow you with a faithful heart and have a desire to live in obedience and submission to you. We pray that we would be those type of people who desire to follow you with our whole heart and live in submission and obedience to your word we pray that as we do that that you would that you would provide us with success as we go about our our responsibilities and that you would preserve us from uh, the many dangers and um, other things that are out there in your name we pray amen if you would take your bibles and let's read first samuel chapter 18 and the big idea as we look at first samuel chapter 18 really is that the chosen servant is preserved and provided success. The chosen servant is preserved and he's provided with success. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, 
the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house any more. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourine, with joy, and with musical instrument. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousand and to me... They have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand, as at other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence. Twice. Now Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence, and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, and he was afraid of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merah. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battle. For Saul thought, Let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, Who am I, and what is my life for my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mehalathite, as a wife. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and as she told Saul, the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of Saul and the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you. All his servants love you now. David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? Seeing I am, a, I am poor and lightly esteemed man, and the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the day had not expired. 
Therefore David arose and went, and he and his men, and killed two hundred men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this passage. We pray that as we look at it and as we examine the truth of this passage, that you would encourage our hearts with the truth and that you would challenge us to live lives that follow your example that you've given us in the life of David. In your name we pray. Amen. As I've said earlier, the big idea or the theme of this passage is the chosen servant is preserved and provided success. Earlier in the passage, in chapter 13, we saw that God told Saul that he has been rejected from being king. Why? Because he doesn't follow after God. He doesn't live in obedience to God's word. And so he's going to be replaced with somebody who does follow after God's word. In chapter 15, Saul's family line is completely rejected. And chapter 16 shows us a man who is after God's heart, who is anointed as king. Chapter 17 then opens and shows us that not only does God see that indeed this is the right person, but in fact he's living it out on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's being demonstrated not just to the king's household as in chapter 16. By the end of chapter 16, David is pleasing Saul. Why? Because God is with him. And they see that there is an outward change in this man because of his inward character. In chapter 17, his inward faith, his, his character, his belief, his trust in God leads to a great victory by the Lord. And now in chapter 18... We see that because he is the chosen servant, and he is the chosen servant, he is qualified to be a servant of God because of his heart, his character, who he is. Because of that, God is going to provide him with success. And that is, that is demonstrated by the phrase acted wisely or behaved wisely in the New King James translation. And God also protects him from immense danger, threats on his life. Why? Because he is the chosen servant. Why? Because of his inward character, his faith, his trust, and who God is. And the fact that he actually lives out on a day-to-day -day basis his belief about who God is. He acts in faith. He lives in faith. And if you and I want to be people who are provided success by God, if we want to be people who are cared for by God in that way, that means you and I must demonstrate we must develop this inward character that david has demonstrated in chapter 16 and chapter 17 if you want to be preserved by god in the midst of hardships then you and i also must develop this inward character the text is going to bounce back and forth between this idea that god provides success to god preserves to God provides success, to God preserves. And then it's going to conclude with 
both of them kind of combined in one little bit in verses 28 through 30. In verses 1 through 5, though, you see this first idea that God provides success for his chosen servants. Jonathan is enamored by David's faith. If you remember, Jonathan is a man who is very much like David. In chapter 14, we saw Jonathan act by faith. And because he acted by faith, and he says, Who knows, God might provide great salvation for his people, whether by many or by few. And he acts in faith. Why? Because he believes God's word. God has told them that they're supposed to win the victory. And Jonathan's like, maybe he's going to use two men to start this great victory. And indeed he does. And I think Jonathan sees that same type of character in chapter 17 in David's life as he fights Goliath. And, and Jonathan sees him, and as he comes before his dad at the end of chapter 17, Jonathan's like, wow, this guy loves God and lives by faith just like my desire and my hope and my passion is. And that is really the source of their friendship. That is the basis, that is the bedrock. And so as he hears him, he, he loves him, not in a bad way, but in a way that is loyal, in a way that demonstrates um, this shared understanding of a goal. And Jonathan demonstrates his love and his care by providing lavish gifts to David. Gifts that would easily demonstrate that David is not any mere man anymore. He's somebody who is rising in status. He's gaining success. And so in chapter 18, verse 5, you see that the whole idea is really concluded and is being pointed out that David is gaining success. David is being seen by outsiders, by the king's own son, the heir apparent, as somebody who is worthy of honor, somebody who is worthy of position and the love of the king's son. So David went out whenever, wherever Saul sent him, and behaved wisely. He was provided success is the idea. And Saul sent him over, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. David is successful. And the people around him see his success, and as they see his success, they're like, wow, this guy is somebody we can get behind. This guy is somebody we like. And why is this? It's because God is providing him with the success. Because God is with him. That's going to be a phrase, the Lord is with him. As we go through this passage, you're going to see that repeated a number of times. You're also going to see this idea that he behaved wisely numerous times as we work our way through this text. In chapter 18, verses 6 through 11, you see this first instance that the, the Lord preserves David. Why? Because he's his chosen servant, and he's proven himself faithful to God. In chapter 18, verse 6, Now it had happened as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourine, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then... 
Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can be he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David, or he looked on him with envy. And this envy, I think, is a demonstration of the distressing spirit that we saw in chapter 16. The distressing spirit comes upon Saul. Why? To demonstrate to everybody who was around him that Saul is unfit for leadership in the nation. He's an inept, incapable spiritual leader. Why? Because we have very rarely seen Saul do anything that looks like true leadership. He doesn't act by faith. He doesn't live by faith. He doesn't live in obedience to God's word. And that is something that disqualifies him from being God's servant, from being the king over God's nation. And so he looks on David with envy, and as he looks on David with envy, he begins to plot. He begins to realize yeah, David is great to have. He's bringing about great success. Why? Because he lives by faith. And as he's living by faith, he's winning multiple victories. Which preserves my kingship for a time. But he's looking at the success that David is gaining. And as he looks at the success, he's like, If this continues on in this manner, I'm going to lose my kingdom. And Jonathan will not be the next king. David will be the next king. And so he begins to plot, and as he plots, he the distressing spirits that we learned about in chapter 16 once again comes upon Saul, and David is once again playing for the, the king to calm his heart and to soothe his soul. And as he does so, the distressing spirit causes an easily identifiable demonstration to the whole court that this man is unfit for leadership. David is somebody who is living by faith. He's following God in obedience and faithfulness. And because of that, he's bringing about great success, not only for himself, but for the nation. And Saul's servants are seeing that. The, the people of the nation are seeing that. And as they see that, they're like, this guy is somebody we like. And what is the king doing? Instead of saying, I'm going to put you in a higher position of authority, I'm going to use you to a greater extent because you are behaving wisely and God is with you and God is preserving you and providing you with success and I want to live by faith and I want the best for the nation as well and you're providing good things for us. Saul instead chooses to try and kill him, and he says, I'm going to pin him to the wall. But what happens? David escapes. Why? Because of God's grace. Because he is God's chosen servant. God is preserving him, in addition to providing him with success. As the text moves on in verses 12 through 16, you see that David's success grows yet greater. 
And as he goes about his responsibilities, the people are watching. And as they watch, their favor, their love, and their appreciation of David's faithfulness, of David's walking in obedience and submission to God, makes their love and their affection for him grow. David has provided greater success, and as he's provided greater success, the king becomes even more angry. It's interesting. This is the first note of his anger. One could assume that he's angry in verse 9 when he's growing envious, when he looks on Saul with envy in verse 9. But now we have the first actual use of the term afraid. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence. So if you remember, he's kind of really right in the middle of things and the court, and he's over a lot of the army in some way. We don't know exactly what his position was. But Saul becomes envious of him, and instead of keeping him in a higher position of command, Saul's like, I'm going to put you in a smaller position with a thousand troops under you. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely. He's provided success in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. This is something that's been a character trait of David for a while now. Something that God identified and said, this is a guy who follows after me. And something that one of the servants of Saul, back in chapter 16, saw and said, you want us to find you somebody who, who will play? Well, I found you somebody who is handsome, he's a warrior, he can play. But more importantly, the Lord is with him. And this is a character trait, this is the real reason why God is providing him with success. And as you go about your responsibilities, your responsibilities are drastically different from David's responsibilities. You may have responsibilities at work. You have responsibilities at home. No matter what you do at home, you have responsibilities at home. You may be a dad and you have parenting responsibilities. You may be a mom and you have parenting responsibilities. And you have other responsibilities around the house as parents. As children, you have responsibilities. As a single person living at your house, you have responsibilities. You have to take the garbage out. I know, it's only you, but you still have to take it out. You have responsibilities at home. You have responsibilities at work, possibly. You have responsibilities in relationship to the various opportunities of ministry that are available in the local church. You have responsibilities to the other believers to encourage them. You have responsibilities to your neighbors. Are you reaching out to them? Are you demonstrating the love of Christ to them in such a way that is winsome and makes them ask questions like, why does my neighbor care for me so much? Why do they demonstrate so much love to me? What is so different about them that they treat me so much differently than all the other neighbors? 
And if you and I want success in these areas, it means we need to be people who are walking with the Lord, who are following the Lord in faithful obedience, who are trusting Him on a day by day. Why? Because faithfulness is what qualifies us to be God's servants so that we have success, so that we are preserved in the midst of difficult and trying times. David walks with the Lord and he behaves wisely. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He went out to war and he came back victorious. He went out to war and he came back victorious. And as they see this, they're like, this guy is a superhero. Why is he a superhero? Because he walks with God. And so God provides David increasing success. And as, as he does that, in verses 17 through 27, once again we see that the Lord preserves David. As Saul looks on David's success, he's becoming more afraid. He's like, surely I'm going to lose my kingdom. This dynasty will not last. God's promise in chapter 15 will come to pass. I'm going to act so that Jonathan's dynasty is preserved. That's why he's becoming afraid in chapter 12, or chapter 18, verse 12. That's why he's becoming more afraid in verse 15. And we're going to see he's even growing more afraid later on in the chapter. Why? Because all his plotting, all his scheming, and his own abilities are not working. Why? Because God is providing success and preserving his servant. In chapter 18, verse 17, um, Saul wants David to marry his daughter, and, um, and, and David, and Saul's reasoning we see in, in the end of verse 17 is, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. David, the idea is, if he is married to the king's daughter, the Philistines will have a greater reason to kill this guy. And David initially is like, I probably shouldn't be the king's son-in-law because I'm a nobody, really. Yeah, I have popularity, but I have no status, really. I'm not wealthy. My father's family isn't anybody. And actually, Saul changes his mind and doesn't ever fulfill the promise of chapter 17 yet. And he also doesn't fulfill it here. In verse 20, now Michael, or sorry, verse 19, but it happened at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, as a wife. It's amazing how dishonest this guy is. He is not fit for leadership. It's a direct contrast to David, who is fit for leadership. The Lord is with him. The Lord is providing him success. And the Lord is preserving him even from this possible danger of being married to the royal family. But Saul's not done plotting. Saul's got another idea for how to get David to die. And so he, he realizes that his daughter Michael really loves David. She's also been watching just like Jonathan has been watching in the first four verses of the passage and as Jonathan watches he's like this guy is a man who walks 
after God's heart. This is a man who walks in faith and obedience and faithfulness to God. This is a guy who is like me, who pursues what I pursue, who loves God. And as Michael, Saul's daughter, watches David, she's like, this guy is honorable. He's a guy that I could get after. I could love and follow. And when Saul hears about it, he's excited about this idea. And he says in verse 21, yeah, sure, I'll give her to him. But he continues to plot and plan. And so he tells the servants, because he's still kind of hoping that David will get married to his daughter. And when that happens, the Philistines will be like, this guy is target number zero because he's popular. And now he's married to the royal line. And maybe we can get him killed that way. And so Saul tells David through his servants that he wants him to marry his daughter. And David continues on by saying, you know, I am really nobody. And in fact, I don't have a dowry. And this is where now Saul plots how he can get David to provide him with something that doesn't cost David any money. And because it doesn't cost him any money, the idea is you can accomplish this. This is an honorable way to earn my daughter. But it also puts David at great risk of his life. Why? Because the idea is go and attack and kill 200 Philistines right now. There's no strategizing or planning this. And so David immediately goes out and he in fact or Saul wanted him to kill 100 and David goes and kills 200 and he brings them back immediately to Saul's um, astonishment and shame because he really wanted David dead but God preserves him God keeps him alive and then the text summarizes the whole ideas just in case we kind of missed the ideas as we went through it that God has provided success and that God has preserved David in verse 28 through 30 you kind of get these whole ideas summarized the Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael Saul's daughter loved him why because God was providing him success so Saul became David's enemy continually his anger and his fear is growing. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely. He had greater success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. He is gathering success. Why? Because the Lord is Providing it. He is being preserved from immense odds. I mean, how many soldiers um, are able to survive through battles when their king sends them into war and their king purposely wants them dead? It's like Uriah the Hittite, you know? I mean, when David tries this, it works out. I'm not saying that Uriah was a horrible person. But the king wanted this guy dead, and he was doing everything in his power to try and find a way to make sure that David did not return from battle alive. He tried killing him in his own court. 
But God preserved him. Why? Because he walked by faith. Because he lived in obedience to God. And so as we contemplate, what does this passage want from you and I? I think the big thing is God wants you and I to walk by faith. To live in obedience to God's word. To live in submission to his word. And so it's, it's appropriate for us to ask, what characterizes you? Would it be an accurate representation of you for us to say what verse 28 says about David? That the Lord is with you. Would it be an accurate representation of us to say that you behaved more wisely, that you were provided success, that you were acting well, and that your esteem is growing, not because of who you are, but because of who your God is? Is that an accurate representation of your character, of who you are? That is what the text wants to be said of you and wants to be said of me. And then we need to realize that God still provides his faithful servants with success. And it looks a lot different than it looked for David. David's getting military success. You and I are not called to a military battle. At least not yet. To my knowledge, nobody at Emmanuel Baptist Church is part of the armed forces. You're not part of that. That is not what God has called you to. But you have lots of responsibilities at your home. You have to shepherd your children's hearts. Teach them to love God and to follow Him. You have the responsibility to love your wife. You have the responsibility to live in submission to your husband. You have the responsibility to work hard at work. Are you seeing success in those areas? And if you look at your life and you say, these are the many areas in my life where I have responsibilities. I can't list all of the areas where you have responsibilities. Because I have different responsibilities. I'm a pastor. You are not. But as we look at the various areas in our lives where we have individual responsibilities, can you say about your areas where you have individual responsibilities that God is providing you with success? And if you look at the areas of your life, you say, you know, I look at the various areas of my life and I don't feel like I am being provided with success in these many areas of my life then I think we really need to ask ourselves, am I walking with the Lord? Am I following Him in obedience and faithfulness? And if you're not seeing success, chances are it's because you are not following Him with your whole being. God still provides His faithful servants with protection. And that doesn't mean that we don't die. We will all die. And that doesn't mean that just because somebody dies at an earlier age than somebody else that 
they weren't walking with God. God sometimes allows us to go through horrible trials, which includes the death of very young people. But these are the ideas, and this is what God wants from us. And so what, what you and I must do is we must evaluate our lives and say, am I following after God in obedience and in faithfulness to his word? I would encourage you to spend time this week doing that. Examine your responsibilities. List them out. And rate how you're doing in your various responsibilities in life. And examine your life and say, am I following God in faithful obedience to what he tells me I'm supposed to be doing? And if you're not, repent. And seek to be a servant who is qualified because of your desire to live in obedience for service in the various areas of responsibilities that you have. Let's go to the Lord in order for Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its truthfulness. We thank you for the fact that we are able to, to come to you and to be reprimanded and changed and pointed in the right direction. We pray that as we see areas in our life where we're not walking in faithfulness, we're not walking in obedience to you, we pray that you would help us to to repent and to change and to fulfill our responsibilities as we should. We pray that you would provide us with the success that we desire and that you desire in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, we'll have an evening service at 6 p.m. Um, in just a few minutes we're going to have the Zoom children's meeting. Um, and then after that there's the fellowship um, Zoom meeting as well. So we'd encourage you to stick around for uh, both of those. Uh, and then 6 p.m. tonight, another service, uh, the Zoom fellowship meeting will begin at 5.30 for that. Um, and I set that up so that you can watch the entire service on Zoom tonight um, from 5.30 till um, whenever we get done. Um, that's all. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to give you a few minutes to just kind of uh, turn off your Facebook Live. A couple of you have had problems with the next video that pops up. Um, being videos that you didn't want to watch. So I'll give you a couple of seconds and then I'll turn off the live feed. Have a good day.